Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Today, what we want to talk about is uh, accessibility. Um, if you remember from our Q&A episode a couple of weeks ago, we had a, dis- a very brief discussion about accessibility, um, but I think it's a topic that deserves a much broader discussion than you know the f- few minutes you were able to give it inside of that. And uh, it turns out also that uh, this... Uh, this week is uh, there has National Global Accessibility Awareness Day. I think uh, I don't typically get into these kind of um, awareness days or access, but it's like it just coincided well, and it seemed a good thing to to talk about um, because access- I think accessibility is a topic that is it's 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 a it's an interesting inter- intersection between sort of something very. Um, like it's a very personal side of development because it tends to interact with people at a at a at a level that is different than just our normal development, and I think so. As a result, accessibility can often become something that you can become very emotional about, or very um, just it, it takes a different different level of importance than than a lot of things. Uh, but before I dive into a bit more of like what accessibility, the specifics of it, I think it probably makes sense to have a bit of an overview about what it is that we mean when we talk about accessibility. Um, and in general, I would say it's best to think about accessibility as t- uh, methods of development that make your app usable by uh, specific communities within your user base. Um, and that can take a lot of different uses, it, 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 a lot, take a lot of different paths, you know, depending on there's, there's different impairments that you may have to be working around or to consider. But in general, accessibility and usability are, you know, sort of one in the same. So there are certain things that we might do to, in our application to make it usable, um, you know, just for general usability with our general population who uses our application. And then accessibility, I think, is the sort of the extreme versions of those where we have to make it usable by people who can't uh, who don't have all of the affordances that a typical user might have. Um, and so the, these often get into things like visual impairments, physical impairments, auditory impairments. Um, there's a variety of things that could make our app less usable for somebody. And so accessibility is about making it work for those uh, working work for those users. We we often tend to think of accessibility as like something that's for other people, something that is for like you know people who well we don't know anybody like that because we're all you know young able bodied developers or whatever. But the reality is. Almost everybody will use some kind of accessibility feature sometime in their lives. The most common example is text sizing, making making text larger as you get older and as your eyes get worse, because that's just how our bodies work. And so, you know, it's it's good to think of accessibility not as like a, a special accommodation for other people, but as a collection of features, tools, and design considerations that make the app usable for as many people as possible. Yeah, and I think that too is it's it's the powerful thing of I remember I used to think of accessibility as this yeah, it's like there is this it's like this this thing for other people that I do for them as like it's like in which is a really kind of entitled privileged way to to see it. It's like oh, I'm being so kind to this other community, but I'm very glad that I think over time I've developed that into a much more uh, mature actual understanding that accessibility is something that is for everybody. It is most beneficial and most impactful in special communities, but it just makes my app better for everybody. And I think about like the last time I went and had my eyes dilated um, when I was having an eye exam and suddenly I can't like I need to crank 
dynamic type all the way up to see my phone. Um, and it's like, all of a sudden it's like, right. Yeah. Like th- this, this impacts everybody. It's like, it, it impacts everybody to a different degree, but it's the same affordances and the same benefits, um, that apply to everybody. And I think having that change in mindset that this is just, it, it just makes your app better and more accessible for everybody. It changes the degree in which I was motivated to, um, to think about it. And I think it was also just so useful to change my, you know, it's like, it's just as a person, like that was a really useful thing to, to, to anytime you can get away from that kind of like, like others versus yourself mindset. And it's like, no, this is just part of development because this is for everybody. All of my users benefit from this. Um, I mean, it's, it reminds me in a way, in a, in a funny way of like, so all of our, all of the episodes of under the radar have a transcript. Um, if you look in your, wherever you're listening to this now in the show notes, the top link is episode transcript. And that is there in many ways for people who uh, can't hear the episode. If, if you are, if you have auditory impairments, you may not be able to listen to us speak. And so podcasts can be very inaccessible to you. But you, if you have a transcript, you can read it if you, if you, if you're able to read. And so, but it also has benefits for uh, people who might just want to quickly browse something. If you want to search for something later, um, there's a tremendous number of other benefits that can come from something that is ostensibly um, an accessibility feature or something that is more particularly targeted, but it benefits everybody. And, and that, you know, and because it benefits everybody, it's also just smart business to design your apps with, you know, to maximize accessibility. Because, you know, as you mentioned, like it, it is kind of an extension of usability and no one questions the value of good usability in like, you know, oh, your app should be, you know, if you want your app to succeed, you should make it as usable as possible. That seems universally agreed upon. Accessibility is part of that. And yet accessibility kind of gets like low priority or, or people don't talk about it as much, but but and and i i get that like i have been there i have frequently in my career i have shipped accessibility problems i i have shipped like you know unlabeled voiceover buttons and stuff like that or i've broken accessibility because i I forgot to test it you know when i when i moved a view around or something like we all have we've all made these mistakes um but i i think it's it's important to keep it in mind more and if you have any kind of like testing process any kind of formalized checklist or anything like that to make it a part of that and that will help you avoid shipping accessibility problems yeah and i think too probably to wrap up the overview is to say that like why should you development like if i was trying to convince uh, somebody why making accessibility a big part of their development process like there's two main reasons for it i think like well, I guess the, the, there's the first, which is the more just general, like it's, an, it's it's a good thing at a human level to make your apps very usable, which is like a good general thing. But more specifically, like it's good business, like you're opening, it's in the same way that like localizing your application makes your app usable to broader communities, Will which allows you to make more money or have a more sustainable business because you have more users. Um, accessibility is the same thing where you open up your, your app to be usable by these other communities that then allows you know you to broaden your user base which is just good business um and thirdly it's also just apple really likes accessibility and they care a lot about it and it is something that i um you will hear apple talk about many times they spend a tremendous amount of effort clearly on the engineering side uh, making sure that the tooling and 
you know, abilities that we have on the accessibility side are very robust. And so like doing things that Apple cares about is going to benefit you in terms of, yeah, you know, featuring in terms of your just general being a good member of that community and having the, the knock on benefits that that brings with it. Like it's just a good business decision as well as a good human decision. We are sponsored this week by Linode. With Linode, you have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with pricing starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, all of whom are serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help you want. And Linode also has a suite of amazing guides and support documentation to give you any reference when you need it. So for instance, if you want to learn details about how to set up your Linux server at Linode, you can even, if you search the web, these are public. You know, anybody can see these documentations. And I have frequently found when I've searched for some kind of like, you know, Linux help thing, oftentimes the best answer and one of the top answers is a Linode document. They really know what you need and they're really great at explaining it. And they have an intuitive control panel. This allows you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone your virtual servers in just a few clicks. And they also now have two-factor authentication to keep you safe. So Linode has fantastic pricing options for every budget and every need. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer lots of other plans that go up from there, including high memory plans, depending on what your needs are. As listener of this show, sign up at linode.com slash radar. That will support us and give you $20 towards any Linode plan. So on that base $5 plan, that's four months free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting the show. So I think now sort of the general overview to the side, I think let's dive into some of the more specific types of uh, accessibility and probably even more over from the developer perspective, some of the tools and abilities that we have uh, as a result. And I think the main area to start with probably are visual accessibility tools that we can use. Um, so visual impairments can come in all varieties. They can go all the way to the extreme forms of things like blindness, where um, a user is completely unable to view the interface that your, your app has to, you know, the, the more minor to things where, like we were talking about, where it's there, they have difficulty seeing things that are small, or they may have difficulties around uh, differentiating between colors or contrast. Um, and so you can run sort of the gambit between those. But in general, there's, you know, visual, because our apps at their core are, you know, fundamentally visual things, you know, like one of the, the key innovations of the iPhone was that it didn't have any buttons um, on the main screen, which means that, you know, our entire app is a, you know, is functionally something that is visual, that there's no tactile cues to it, in, or at least not um, intrinsically. And so there's a variety of different things that we have, um, we have to take advantage of. And I think the first one, and probably the biggest one that most people think about when they think of visual accessibility is the voiceover system in iOS, um, which if you've never, if you've never used it, I highly recommend that you, you stop this episode now, go turn it on and just pl like play with your iPhone for a little while. Um, because it is a fascinating alternative way to navigate, uh, an iPhone that you can do uh, essentially everything that you currently do with your iPhone. Um, you can do without having, without, you know, if you close your eyes and just swipe left and right, and then double tap to select things, you can, you do a tremendous amount of, of 
capabilities of your iPhone without ever having to look at it. Um, and so vo- VoiceOver is that system. It's a system that is this alternative interface on top of your of the main interface, and you'll see it visually with these little um, cues, which obviously if you couldn't see them, they're not important, but they're ways for us as developers at least to see what's happening, um, where it's a way of navigating the screen hierarchically so you can you know you you move from element to element to element and then rather than some of the some of the um you know in a typical interface on the on i on the ios there's typically direct input so wherever you you know you if you want to tap on a button you have to find your finger has to be directly over that button what voiceover does is it takes that and adds a level of indirection where you have a selection state and then a tap state, for example. So you move, you know, you would swipe over until the button you want to select is selected, and then you double tap on the screen. And so where you're swiping is irrelevant uh, in VoiceOver, and so it creates that level of indirection, um, which then allows you to use it if you can't see the screen. I would even say go a little harder on this. I would say like actually learn VoiceOver, like you know, figure out the basics. Which you know, for it's it's really. It sounds intimidating. Trust me, it's not. It's really quite simple. It's like, you know, swipe le- swipe right to go to the next item in the sequence, swipe left to go to the previous item in the sequence, double tap the screen to, like, select something. That's roughly all. That's, like, the basics of all. That's all you need to know to, to start this. There are lots of other, you know, little tricks, like, one thing the developers should make sure your apps work with is if you present any kind of custom modals or, like, sheets or anything like that, you want to support the uh, accessibility perform escape gesture, which is two fingers on the screen, swipe left, right, left. And it's kind of like a zigzag, like you're crossing out this, the current screen, and that should dismiss or like be be like a cancel button on any kind of modal or sheet and, and everything. And that's something that the the built-in stuff does not make it incredibly easy to support that if you don't know about it. Uh, but once you know about it, it's 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 pretty easy. But I, I would say like you know the basics of voiceover, you know, swipe right, swipe left, double tap to select. Learn that. Then actually like cover your eyes or, or look away from the screen and try to navigate your app. Try to actually use it and see like does the sequence of these things make sense? Are there things that are missing? Are there states that you can get in that you can't get out of because like you can't leave the screen from voiceover or you can't leave this mode? Things like that are incredibly important for just the basics of voiceover testing. Uh, and, and voiceover also like not only does it serve visual impairments, but the same kind of mechanic, the same system can also serve things like motor disabilities and things like that because it's using the same APIs and everything. So like the, the voiceover accessibility API is like the number one API to try to support um, after probably dynamic type. Um, although ideally you shouldn't have to choose. You should really be supporting both. Uh, but those those are like the two big ones. And really like it does not take much to to teach yourself voiceover enough to be able to go through your app uh and and just see if there's any major pain points and and i would even extend that to say like actually if if at all possible seek out voiceover testers seek out people who are full-time voiceover users on their phones as your beta testers i made tons of voiceover mistakes until i had voiceover people on my betas and it it made all the difference in the world i know how how an interface should look you know, I, I have a pretty good idea of like how the app should be laid out visually. But because I'm not a full-time voiceover user, not only do I not run into those problems if they exist, but I don't really have a good concept of like what's good. And so it's it's important to have full-time voiceover users, if at all possible, testing your app and telling you not only if they see any problems, but also like 
what's kind of good design what's bad design like what what works what's a pain like what's what's more complicated than it needs to be um like one of the, one of the questions i had was when i was i was arranging my now playing screen elements in voiceover and i and i thought it would make more sense to to have the most frequently used things come first in the sequence of things that you're iterating through um even though that's not how the screen is laid out like if you just try to read the screen like you know left to right top to bottom that isn't how the screen is laid out. Like the most frequent controls are on the bottom, actually. So in the in the sequence of like the naively ordered uh, controls, they would almost be last. But I, I was like, what you know? Don't you want like play pause first and like skip forward second and skip back third, like stuff like that? And so I just asked my voiceover testers, like, hey, is it, you know, it, would this be weird? Would this be you know unusual? Would this be bad or off putting to arrange these in a custom way? Or is that like a, a, a useful thing to do? Because I, ha- I honestly don't know what's normal. What, what would throw somebody off as being weird or, or unexpected versus what's like a nice convenience, right? And, and I got great feedback on stuff like that. So it's, yeah, anything you can do to have voiceover testers, it, and, and this applies to all other types of accessibility APIs too, like have testers that use different dynamic type sizes. My dynamic type implementation in Overcast is still not perfect. And I I only know that because people tell me because I have testers who actually use it and tell me. So it's it's just incredibly valuable to have that kind of actual feedback because, you know, it it is important for you as a developer to try to learn, you know, to, to like test out your app in these different scenarios and learn the basics of voiceover so you can navigate it and stuff like that. But you're never going to use it as much and find as much, you know, good, good and bad stuff about, about your implementation or have as much of a sensibility of what works and what doesn't as a full-time user of these technologies. So if at all possible, involve people who use them in your testing. Yeah. And I'd say too, one of my biggest recommendations for anyone who is going to be at WWDC, who has a ticket and is going to be inside is to make an appointment for the accessibility lab. Yes. Where typically the way I've gone every year, like I always find a reason to go, even if I don't have a pressing reason, because I learn so much from the experience because the way it's typically set up is they have a typically sighted user and a non-typically sighted user, someone who has a a very vision impairment of some kind um, from Apple who will sit down and they'll go through and use your app and you get to watch and take notes on how they use it, what they see, what they're hearing, the speed at which they're they're interacting with. And that in-person experience I found to be tremendously helpful for understanding things that I just, you wouldn't really understand otherwise. Like I've learned a lot around uh, how verbose I want to make my button accessibility labels be, for example. Like, spoiler, not. Yeah, like you get this, where like they, they were just like, no, 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 you could just, the shortest amount of text possible. I don't need to be like having this big long thing where, so for a lot of my apps, it's like I'm, I'm displaying user data. And so for a while I would have these like usability, these usability labels that would be like, you know, your steps on Thursday, May 17th, 2018 were 10,163. And like, she's like, I don't need that. Like, I know where I am in the app. You can just say like Thursday's steps, 10,383. And like, that's all they wanted because like, that's, you know, they're very, they're very used to where you know, they have a tremendous ability. You develop a tremendous ability to know where you are in the hierarchy and you, you know, they have to wait to listen to what's going on uh, before they can make their next action. And so if you make those labels really long, it's hard for them to navigate uh, quickly. Also, things like I learned from going to the accessibility lab was like putting your putting the most important information up front, um, not at the end. 
And so like, actually, I think what I do in my apps, I think I say the number, the number of steps first, and then I say the date um, for in certain circumstances, because that's actually what they're interested in rather than like the date necessarily, you know, it's like, and because once they have what they know, they know what they have, what they need, they can move on or swipe to the next thing, or if this is not the right thing, but I highly recommend going and seeing that in person. Or if you know somebody in person who has a vision impairment and uses voiceover, it's tremendously effective. And because at its core, voiceover is it's like it's almost like painfully simple to to, to implement on a developer side. Every UI control um, in in iOS has accessibility baked into it, and most of what you're doing when you're making ex- making your app work well with VoiceOver is making sure that you set accessibility labels for everything, so that when a element becomes the focused element, that's what VoiceOver reads. And so you can, you know, you need to have a, some, a description of what that is, um, and then making sure that the hierarchy within your app makes sense so that as you swipe left and right, it's going, it's, it's logically moving through, you know, through the hierarchy of your app rather than it's in general, it does a pretty good job of doing that because it's sort of working its way along visually based on, you know, sort of X, Y coordinates. But sometimes you need to override that with a, an orientation that makes sense. So as an example, like in pedometer plus plus, I have a bunch of bar graphs showing the, uh, you know, showing the history of your step counts. Um, I've re- in, if in the default implementation, they would go from left to right, which in my case would be oldest to newest. Um, and whereas for an accessibility per- perspective, I flip that around. And so the newest is the early, is the earliest one. And then it works its way back in time, even though visually that's flipped. Things like that are the, basically like all you all you have to do to, to make uh, good use of voiceover, good labels and good hierarchy, and you'll be like ninety nine percent there. And then get feedback from uh, users as best you can, either in person at the accessibility lab, over you know beta testing wherever you can. And, and I can't stress enough how important it is to just try it, like just try your app. You know, like the, there's there's a few things you can do. You can set the the triple tap home button shortcut to turn on and off voiceover. One thing I've I found af- after years of like accidentally triggering that when I meant to double click the home button and hearing voiceover on in like the middle of like, you know, <laughs> the world. <laughs> um, I, I turned that off because I, I learned that you could just turn it on and off by a Siri. So you can just ask Siri, turn voiceover on, turn voiceover off. And it's, it's it takes two seconds and no setup to do that. So it's great. Uh, and then just try it because usually like when you mess up, it's usually like, oh, you, you have some kind of custom button that doesn't, that doesn't have like the standard label text. It has some other way to d- display what it is, and you didn't put in a label. So you scroll, sc- you know, scroll past it with voiceover, and it just says button, button, and it's like, oh god, like it's like head smackingly obvious. Like I, I, it's embarrassing, like how easy it is to fix that. Uh, it takes two seconds to add an accessibility label, and you know, you fix this incredibly embarrassing accessibility bug. So like, just actually trying it and testing it gets you so far so much of the way there i'd also say you know if, if you don't know or can't access any any um visually impaired users who use this kind of stuff at least what everybody can do is look on youtube and try to look up videos of screen reader users actually using their screen readers and that should give you some sense of how they navigate how quickly they navigate what kind of phrasing and wording you should use how brief or verbose should you be things like that uh, it's not a great solution but it's it's better than nothing um, the next kind of uh, type of accessibility is probably worth talking about is just sort of the um, around things like dynamic type, which I think is a simpler topic where it's, you know, dynamic type is inside of iOS. You can set the system text size um, sort of queue um, in the settings app or then in the accessibility app if you want really, really, really 
uh, big text. And, you know, this is something that I've noticed for, for my, you know, just in normal life, like, is used incredibly widely. Like, like voiceover use is probably a relatively smaller part of the of your user user community. Dynamic type is a very large uh, proportion of your of your user community. And I think in general, dynamic type is pretty straightforward because it just make everything bigger. Um, and especially this has gotten easier as we have to support multiple phone sizes. That having more flexible, flowable layouts um, is just something that I think in general we kind of have to do because we have to make an app that is you know works on a you know, 5S screen all the way up to like an 8 plus screen. And so you have to be flexible anyway. And so dynamic type is just a way of saying, you know, make my text bigger, make my text smaller. And as it gets bigger, making sure that it doesn't break um, is functionally what dynamic type is. And I think, you know, it's just a question of making your app flexible in layout so that you don't just, you know, when you crank up dynamic type, if everything just becomes, you get the first letter and the last letter, and then a bunch of ellipses in the middle, because everything's getting truncated, you didn't do dynamic type right. But it's just something to try um, and to make sure that, you you know, your app d- responds reasonably well to, um, as well as opting into supporting it. Um, some controls will automatically do this. Um, like if certain UI label setups will just dynamic automatically use it, which you want to make sure you know that they're going to opt into. Um, but it also just, in general, it's you can you can ask the system for what the dynamic type size is right now. And even if you're doing custom rendering, you could respond to it um, appropriately. Um, and lastly, I think um, the other, there's, sort of there's some elements around accessibility for things like colors and button shapes um uh, things users who may have difficulty with low contrast displays um and so it's just in general it's always the general rule that i try and keep to is i color is a powerful way to communicate something to my user but it shouldn't be the only way that i communicate with my user um so if you have you know if if i need to differentiate something with by only with color, then I'm making an interface that's going to be confusing to users with who have difficulty differentiating colors um, or similar impairments. And in general, that's just probably bad design. I mean, this is sort of, this came up a lot around the iOS 7 redesign where color became the thing that we use to differentiate buttons from just text. Um, and so I think in general, it's tr- I tend to prefer actually making buttons with some other affordance to them, you know, whether that be a rounded rectangle around them or some some indication, maybe an underline to make it seem that this is something different, that it isn't just the color um, that makes it different. Finally, I, I think I'd like to end with um, a plea to Apple. There is no way in the App Store for users of apps or buyers or you know potential users of apps to know whether an app has accessibility compatibility or not there's no way to know if an app has been tested for voiceover there's no way to know if it responds to dynamic type things like that and so if you are a user who who uses these technologies who needs these technologies you know you're taking a risk you have no way to know whether an app that you're interested in in possibly buying will work for you at all or not. You know, the app review tests apps for other things like crashing and things like that. So, like, you know, people can be sure that you're downloading an app that will work if you don't need these technologies. If you do, you have no way to know. It's, it's almost as if you don't have app review for yourself. And I, I wish Apple would either test for the basic accessibility technologies like dynamic type and voiceover during app review and actually reject apps if you didn't do it, which would also save us from shipping embarrassing, you know, shortcomings either require that or allow developers to opt in to optionally be 
have that testing applied to us and display some kind of little icon in the app store page for our apps that you know we are accessible uh, i wrote a blog post to this effect a couple of years ago it didn't get anywhere yet but i i still would like that to to be considered by apple because it, it if you think about the value of app review for you know mainstream purposes this is a pretty big thing that like it, it serves that same kind of goal of like making sure giving people the the assurance that apps will work for them you know in in a basic way i think that would go a long way in accessibility as well oh sure and i think too it's just i i also love the thought of it being a added incentive to for developers to adopt accessibility in a robust way within their applications exactly um, that it's like if there is a additional uh flag or star gold star that you get in the app store as a result of doing it that like all the better i mean that just seems like that would be a wonderful win thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you next week bye